Thank you. Uh, one quick announcement, if I could give that to you today, uh, and that has to do with our, our special day today, VIP Day. I, I hope that when you came in that you got a VIP bag if you're our guest today. If you didn't get it coming in, make sure you get it on the way out. There's some Indians gear in there. Uh, there's, uh, we we kind of did like a, a Lake County kind of thing. We got Buckeye chocolate in there. Maybe, maybe that's Jaga County. I shouldn't say that. Local. Uh, we got uh, some maple syrup in there from Richards and... Um, the Fowler's Mill a pancake mix, a jogging hardware gift in there, different things. Uh, we're going to have a meal also. Every one of you is invited. We're going to do spaghetti, meatball sausages across the parking lot over there. If you're gluten-free, we got some gluten-free pasta over there. Uh, nobody will know anyway until afterwards if it's gluten-free or not. So. But we'll, we'll have it there for you to, to enjoy and be a part of. We really, uh, we got desserts, we got beverages. We kind of did this day with you in our hearts and in our minds because all of us have come to know that Jesus Christ cared for us personally, and we want you to know that that's how he feels about you today, all right? So I have a, in my mind, you think, this whole thought of VIP, and you think to yourself, what exactly is that? And I would say to every one of you here today, I would ask you two questions. Number one, where is the place or where is the setting where you feel like a very important person? And where is the place that you don't feel like a very important person. Now, if you look at the definition of a VIP, it's a person of great influence or respect. And oftentimes we think it's somebody outside of our range or something like that. I can remember going to a, a, a race at Burke Lakefront Airport when they used to have races over there. And they had this VIP tent set up over there. And they were selling all kinds of... I'm sorry, they weren't selling... It was set up. It was all free. I don't... It looked like they were selling steak and just giving it away. To, you had to have a VIP tag to get in there. And I'm thinking, you know, if you ever felt like a wiener in a steak factory, that's kind of how I felt like that, you know? But if a VIP is somebody who has influence and prestige, you know, that could be my mom's kitchen. She had influence. We did what she said. I certainly don't feel like a VIP. My mom, she's getting up there, but she still can throw a, a good meal on. And she could do some wonderful things. Her my dad, They would make homemade raviolis. I mean, they would do some stuff, and she was just a great... She was a VIP in her kitchen, and I was not. I know if you ended up in a hospital, uh, you're the patient. You don't necessarily feel like a very important person, but... A person of influence and respect would be a, a couple nurses. Like, I know a couple nurses like that, you know. If they're the doctor, they're, they're the VIPs. If you're in there, you and I are kind of just feeling like, you know, we're just getting worked on or something like that. And when you come to church, this morning there was all kinds of influential people doing ministry. Respected children's ministry. There was people here early getting the food ready across over there. There were people getting the worship teams. All kinds of different people, very influential and respectful people with respect, doing ministry. And then some of those you come to church and, and they're not. At the top of your notes, you see that on that uh, sheepskin that I got in there for you? There's a piece of, piece of paper in there, the old school. But if you have a smartphone, you can pull out your smartphone. You can go to uh, the Bible app, and you'll find Lifehouse there. You can go right to it. All the notes are right there. I have that normally VIP. It's kind of reserved for people of positions and power and wealth. That's kind of what we think. Oh, they're a VIP person. 
I don't know sometimes that we ever think that we are, but in some sense, in some place, whatever it is, we are. I want to talk to you today about Jesus, and he had a very different idea about what a very important person was to him. Because ultimately, isn't that kind of what, what counts in the church and in life? So number one in your notes, who is a VIP to Jesus Christ? It's people who don't know what they really need. People who don't really know what they need. It's kind of like a 15-year-old who thinks the most important thing is when I'm 15 and a half, I'm going to get my driver's license. I'm going to get a temp. I'm going to start driving. I'm going to get a car. And they think that's the most important thing. Then you get to be about 25 or 30 and you think, man, they're taking a lot of taxes out of my check. Shouldn't have voted that way that everybody was telling me to vote. Sometimes we really don't know what's best for us. In Matthew, the 19th chapter, I'm sorry, the 9th chapter, verse 1, Jesus stepped, it's in your notes there, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. You notice the one word there? When he saw their faith? The guys who knew enough to care about a friend, like maybe somebody who invited you here today, that cared enough to say, we know where we can take our friend. We know who can help our friend. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the guy, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Verse 3, at this some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Now, so you know, maybe you do or don't, only God could forgive sins. They knew that. The teachers of the law knew that. And this word blaspheme in this perspective is almost like Jesus was cussing or swearing. The fact that he would say something like that, you know, your sins are forgiven. You can't say that. Verse 4, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up uh, and, and walk? But I'll underline this, but I want you to know. And when you read that in the Scriptures, understand that that's for you and me. I want you to know. Jesus wants us to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. Did the man get up and walk, and were the man's sins forgiven? Jesus asked the question, which is easier to say? In one sense, the easier thing to say is your sins are forgiven, because how does anybody know? In the other sense, to say, the harder thing is to say is get up and walk, because everybody's watching and they're going to see. And in one sense... One is harder, but in the other sense, who can forgive sins? Who has the power? Who has the authority? Jesus wanted them to know that. Jesus did this miracle and many others so people would know he was the Messiah. That's what the Gospels, the four Gospels are about, that you might know that he is the Messiah, the one promised one to come, the one who can forgive sins, the second person of the Trinity. He had the power to forgive sins and he showed it in the healing of this man. Everybody could see that. And so if they see that, they would know he was the Messiah, and then they would know he could forgive sins. Now, what if there were two scenarios for this guy? Jesus comes along, he heals this man, he walks and he enjoys a good old age, ripe old age, and he doesn't have his sins forgiven. The other scenario is Jesus doesn't heal the man. He has a struggle all of his life, everywhere he goes, it's a pain in the neck, but he does have his sins forgiven. Which would you choose? You know, it's like a rich aunt and uncle who, who know they have a nephew and he needs money and they say, listen, we can give you 50000 of it right now and that's awful tempting, but if you wait 10 years, we'll give you 
half a mil. We'll give you ten times that amount if you can wait. That's always the question. What is it right in this temporary life and what is it like? Jesus saw the man's greatest need. His friends wanted him to walk. Jesus knew he had a greater need that he even knew himself. It was spiritual and it was an eternal need. Ultimately, the paralyzed man received two gifts, didn't he? He received the gift of being a heal- healing and his sins forgiven. And so we come here today and we read this thing. We ask ourselves the question. I ask you, what's your physical need? What did you bring here emotionally? What is it that you think is your great? It's, it's consuming you. And it's, it's consumed. Every one of us has had it. Whatever it is in life, it's consumed us. And it's right on the front of our mind. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. I care about that. And he does. But he comes to you and me, and lots of times our greatest need isn't what we think it is. Because everything in life pushes you and me to just focus on life. Everything in this world focuses us to you know, make sure that the flesh gets fed. But you have a spirit. You have a spirit that needs fed. And Jesus comes along, and he kind of just almost pushes his way in here. You know? Do you have a friend who thinks... Hey, you're important enough to bring you to church, to bring you to Jesus Christ. And maybe they were irritating a little bit, whatever it might be. But, but you've come here today, and I want you to sense and hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, you're important, you have a need, I know, I see that, but it's not your greatest need. Because it would be terrible to leave this life healed, but not have your sins forgiven. You don't want to head into the next life with your sins uh, still attached, still a, a part of who you are. You see, you're a very important person to Jesus. He knows your physical needs, but He knows your greatest need. Number two, who's a VIP to Jesus Christ? People who are overwhelmed with problems. People who are overwhelmed with problems. Folks, here is Luke, and Luke, his gospel, really comes from the perspective, maybe you know it, maybe you don't, he's a doctor, and he, when you, when you read his gospel, take a look at a lot of what he put, almost from a doctor's perspective, almost from this personal side, this caring for people and a lot of their issues. Here's Luke, the seventh chapter, verse 11. This is the New King James Version. Now it happened the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. I, I, I don't know if you can picture this. He's heading in the gate. He's heading in the city gate. He's got his disciples. There's a large crowd that was always following him. She's coming out of the city gate. There's a large crowd with her, probably professional mourners. They'd be weeping, crying. They, they'd be mourning professionally. And here's this situation. It's almost coming to a clash. They're heading into the city of Nain which is the word for green pastures or lovely city. But for this widow, it was not a lovely city for her today. This woman had lost her husband, and now she lost her son, and she really had no means of support. In this day and age, the man or the male carried the ability to have business, to carry land, whatever it was. She would be left to basically be supported by relatives if they would take her in and could support her or to beg the rest of her life. Look at verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. 
We're, we're learning this story about this woman. We're getting to take a look inside of her life. The situation she finds herself in. She's probably thinking about her son, her husband. And now how am I going to provide for myself? But we get to look at Jesus' heart. Here's the strongest word used in the New Testament for compassion. And Luke uses it. So that you would know. He has compassion on you. That he knows where you're at today. You may be overwhelmed with problems, but the motive for this miracle that's about to happen is compassion. What have you learned about Jesus that isn't biblical? What what won't you take to him because you think he just doesn't care? This woman's overwhelmed. It's in the scripture so you will know. Verse 14. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. And Then fear came over all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. Now you know, the number one thing I could point to today is that Jesus cares for your spiritual life. No doubt about it. I can make you a promise today that's 100% accurate from the Scriptures that if you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ, He will forgive you every time. But I cannot answer to you that if every time you're overwhelmed with a problem that Jesus is going to solve the problem. I can't say that to you. Jesus, about the time he was ready to leave, said, you know, in this world you're going to have problems. Christians have problems. If you come to Christ, you will have some problems. But you will have someone who will come alongside of you, who will come and carry that burden, who will be there to help you and be with you. Jesus cares about spiritual needs. He cares about physical needs. We've already seen that. Now, have you noticed this? He cared about this woman's economic need I'm not talking prosperity theology I'm talking about the fact that oftentimes we come to Jesus we have a prayer we have a need whatever it might be and that he cares about her situation so much so to solve it and I just want you to know that there's people in this church they've been overwhelmed with problems we've been overwhelmed with problems with our children We've been overwhelmed with problems in our marriage. We've been overwhelmed with problems with sickness and accidents and things. And the people in this church want you to know that Jesus hasn't always fixed our problems. If anybody tells you that, run. Put the book down, turn the TV off. Only in America can that type of thing be taught. Jesus hasn't always fixed our problems, but he has loved us. He has been there with us. These people said God has visited us. You know what the prophecy, here's this prophet, you know what the prophecy said about the coming Messiah? His name would be Emmanuel. God with us. Christians, we have problems, but we have Jesus with us. I can't explain that to you until you would experience it. I'm working with a young man in a situation, he says, Evan, I just can't believe what's happening to me. He's pouring effort into it. He made an altar at the end of his bed, and he's praying, he's taking his kids there, and he says, I can't hardly believe what's happening to me. And he says, I can't explain it to anybody. And that's kind of what the Bible talks about, that peace that passes understanding, that presence where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy burdened, I'll I'll carry it with you. You don't have to carry it by yourself. And the wonderful thing about that is the church body. 
were to help carry it also. You know, getting ready to help with the funeral and people calling me yesterday saying, what can we do to help? Could we provide food? People, because that's what we're about. We're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you head over there today, I hope our people will let you get in line first because we want you to know you're not just special to Jesus Christ. You're special to us because of what He's done in our hearts and our lives. Those who are overwhelmed with problems have found that Jesus looks at them as a VIP, very important person to Him. Number three. Who's a VIP to Jesus Christ? People who are ignored by the in crowd. People who are ignored by the in crowd. Maybe that's at work for you. You know, there's a lot of people that say, I would never want to do middle school again. And Lord help me, I would never want to go through high school because it can be some weird years. You know, in Euclid High School, there was two groups of people. There were the smarty pants, A students, and then there were the jocks. And everybody else was in this whatever mystical, dark gray, black, whatever it is thing, you know. As a hockey player, you were weird. You're not a jock as a hockey player, you know, because you hit people. You know, they give you a stick. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Here, here, here's a young guy, on, uh, you know, he's got his uh, everything in motion's going, you know, his testosterone's going. Let's put a stick in his hand. People uh, get to this place and, you know what, it doesn't change when you become an adult. You would think we'd grow out of high school. But the world has its in crowds. And there's people who think, you know, I'm never a part of the in crowd. In Mark, the 10th chapter, verse 46, Jesus and his disciples and his crowd, they come to Jericho. And as Jesus' disciples, together with a large crowd, there they are again. They're leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside and he was begging. Now, sometimes people with problems, we see them at first, but then they, they tend to blend in with the scenery. You think about it sometimes, you know. I wonder if we would have walked by this guy. You get used to him. He's just sitting there. You get used to people that have problems in and around you. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Whatever it might be, they've been carrying something for a long time. And you think, why don't you just get over it? Until it happens to us. And we don't get over it so easy. Only reason we're talking about Bartimaeus is because of Jesus. And Jesus told the story, made sure we know about the story, because he, he cares about you. Surrounded by people, here he is, but yet invisible. The in crowd didn't see Bartimaeus anymore. Verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, you hear this crowd coming, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why are these people rebuking Bartimaeus? You might think, and maybe it was a little bit, you know, you're kind of loud and you're kind of obnoxious, but here was what it is, everybody. Look at what he was calling Jesus. Jesus, Son of David, which was the wording and the phraseology that would mean he's the Messiah. The son of David would be the Messiah, the one he was believing that Jesus was the Messiah. Oh yeah, he was blind, he wanted that. But it was what he said to Jesus. It was who he believed Jesus was, which leads to you and me to ask ourselves the question, who do you believe Jesus is? Have you let something in the world? Have you let someone in the world? Has somebody told you something about Jesus? 
Maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. But why not come right to him? What is it that you've learned about Jesus that has just kind of put you off? Bartimaeus had this wonderful quality that Jesus loves. Persistence. They're telling him, shut up. He's like, ain't gonna happen. He has this persistence. And when last week we did ask, seek, knock. This is the persistence that Jesus is looking for for those who you want to know about Jesus, you want to know about him, go to him. He says, keep on asking until you find. Keep on seeking until you get your answer. Keep on knocking until the doors open. Have you tried just for a little bit, got burned or somehow, and you kind of stopped? He, Jesus loved the persistence of this guy. And his faith is what heals him, and it was his faith of who Jesus was. Who do you believe Jesus is? Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi. Another title there, right? I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Your faith that you would say he was the son of David, that you believed who he was. The miracles and everything. Everybody always wants a miracle, but Jesus wants you to know who he is and what he can do. It all starts with the greatest need that sometimes we don't pay attention to, and that is our sin, like we learned today. Immediately, he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. I always find it interesting. This just happened to me a couple months ago. Somebody is in dire need. Somebody is desperate. And this person needed forgiveness, and this person needed a situation. They did something dumb, stupid, and sinful. And I talked to them, and I talked to them about, you know, what Christ can do, this, that, the other. And I said to them, I said, don't be like so many people that come to Jesus Christ and they have a need. He answers their need. They come to church just a little bit. They make this great promise, and you never see him again. I've texted this guy several times, said, you said you'd be in church. They get what they need, and they move right back to right where they were. It's people who are ignored by the in crowd. Jesus has a focus on them. Now, this guy, he's not deaf. He's blind. I love the fact he throws the cloak off. He jumps to his feet, and I don't know if he ran, stumbled, or used his cane to find Jesus. Where are you at, man? He says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And that's, that's a good question for you. I mean, Jesus, what do you want him to do for you? We have prayer requests that go up. We have temporary needs on this earth. My family and I just had a great answer to prayer for my son. Just a great thank you, hallelujah answer to prayer. But is it the most important thing? What is it you want from Jesus? Is it something temporary? Or is it something eternal? You don't want to leave this life with your sins still on your soul. Jesus sees what those around you and I don't see. What the, has the crowd said to you? What crowd has ignored you? <laughs> Some of you know I married a, a, a very ethnic woman. I'll just put it that way. Her, her family uh, basically escaped from Europe and basically came over to some, con- some, some camps and then came to America. Now when they came, they brought a whole bunch of them kind of people. whole bunch of those ethnic people. And they basically formed a community in and around Cleveland, several other areas. And when I started to date Maria, the in crowd told her, you should not date somebody that's outside of our family. 
You shouldn't date somebody that's ethically not a part. Have you seen the movie Big Fat Greek Wedding? That's a story of my life. I watch that movie, I get hives. And I use Windex. <laughs> Some of you know that. And she ignored the crowd because I'm special. And now they all love me. Oh, I'm the loved one. I'm telling you, out of all the... I'm, they love me, man. I know they're not very good at judging the character. I get that, you know. The in crowd she didn't listen to. The in crowd ignored Bart, and you may be ignored in a sense, maybe passed over, whatever it might be. But the ignored the in crowd, and Jesus calls to Bartimaeus, you're a VIP to me. I love the fact they ignored him, and he ignored them. You turn to Jesus Christ, you'll be weird. You'll be weird. You'll be different. Jesus tells us to live a different life. And you'll be not so much a part of the in crowd, but you'll be welcome here. You'll be welcome sunshine. Now, you know, there's a lot of different people in Jesus' day that you and I would never talk about. They would never be noticed except for Jesus Christ. And that's true today. There's a lot of people you'd never know anything about if it wasn't for the fact of what Jesus has done in our lives. Many obscure people are famous today, well, biblically famous, because Christ's greatest treasure is people. Our greatest treasure isn't the money. It isn't the building. It's not the property. The greatest treasure we always have to keep an eye on is people. And if you're a people, you're a VIP. Jesus says the greatest treasure is people. And he tells these, I gave you three stories, story after story of people that are obscure that Jesus had his eye on. He's got his eye on you. He cares about you. Now, I have in your notes, hard to believe, right? Sometimes it's hard to believe some of the stories we hear. There's fiction and nonfiction. But honestly, we like stories like that. Whether they're movies or true stories, whatever it is, you know, Rocky. I never knew that the movie Rocky was basically based on a, a, a guy, a true story. You know, take the story Rudy, you know, short guy trying to play you know, football at Notre Dame, you know. All of the... Disney has made a fortune with talking about the guy would be hard to believe, the girl of hard to believe that she could make it. They're called an underdog. Oh, we love underdog stories. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, man, they did a great job with that, you know. Uh, Cinderella. I got a graphic up here of, of uh, Aladdin, right? Aladdin, ooh. What was he called? He was a thief. He was called Riff Raff. But throughout the story is weaved this truth, and you wonder if all of these stories, people don't pick them up from the Scriptures. He was called the diamond in the rough. And little by little, he got polished and became the hero. And I have not found, I'm looking around here at some people, you know me, I know you, we were a diamond in the rough. Coming to Jesus Christ, he started to polish us. He said, you're very important to me. Listen to me. Walk with me. Obey me. Get into scriptures. Pray. Be a part of a church. Come to know who I am, and I will teach you who you were created to be. I had a big mouth before I was a preacher. Jesus just directed it in that direction to use him. By the end of these movies, these stories, people who didn't have a chance have a chance, and that's you and me. We're living proof of all of that, every one of us here. People who don't know what their real need is are who important to Jesus. He told that story so when you read it, you would think, I thought that 
He was supposed to, I thought him being healed was the most important thing, but Jesus said, mm, something much more important. That's why he told that story. He tells the stories about people who are overwhelmed with problems. That's why the woman from the city of Nain, the lovely city, so you would see his compassion so that for 2,000 years you would know he has that compassion for you. The people who are ignored by the in-crowd, Bartimaeus, he wants you to know the in-crowd may be ignored, but I see you. And my greatest prayer coming up to today would be that you would have this wonderful sense that the Spirit of God has put his finger on you, that Jesus sees you, that Jesus knows you right where you're at. That's why these stories are in the Scripture. And that's what makes any one of us here a very important person to Jesus Christ. If you come for me, Dave, I have one last thing in your notes there. You see the asterisks? Lots of times I put this asterisk in there just to kind of like pull everything together and say, here's the central thing I want to leave you with. Could you just write Y-O-U slash if you want? Put your name in there. Because the most important thing, the main thing hard to believe is today Jesus cares about you. You are very important to Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you before you would ever think of turning to him. Before you'd ever think of turning from your sins, he gave his life for you. In Acts the fourth chapter, the Bible says something a lot of people have a difficult time with. There are truths in mathematics that nobody has a problem with. Two plus two is five. No problem with it. Check A. Yeah, you got that right. And there are spiritual truths and here's one of them. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And if Jesus showed us that we were important to him, we want you to know that you're important. And we're just beggars who found bread. Help on other people if you want to find some bread. It'll be spaghetti today, but whatever. We just want you to know who he is. And so we're going to have a few announcements in the service today. Across this altar, we have a gift for you. If you want to be persistent, if you want to, if you want to ask, seek, knock, if you want to not listen to the in crowd, there's a Bible up here. And there's a compass as a bookmark in it. Compass helps you in life. Helps you get to, you know, we don't use them too much anymore, but you get the picture. If you want spiritual direction, the one thing I can tell you is in that Bible, it'll give you spiritual direction. You come forward. You take one of those. It's a gift from us to you. The other gift that I have up there is a, I bought eight or nine books. Candy Porstowski, our worship leader, wrote a book. It's, it's just a devotional, Encounters with Jesus by the Water. I bought some of them so you could have it as a gift, a devotional, to maybe jumpstart, get you back fresh or whatever it is. This is a gift from us to you. We have them here for you, but you have to be the one that says, I will take it. I'll put the effort in. I will seek. I will persist until I find Jesus Christ. Close with this story. I was in line in, in the checkout and this lady turned, a girl actually turned, and her face was red. And she was a little disheveled. And her eyes were pretty bloodshot. She had two streaks coming down and literally she had two tears sitting on each, one on each, just sitting there, and she's, can I help you? And you're like, well, what, whoa, what do I do? You try not to, you don't want to pick on her, you don't, you don't want to embarrass her, you wonder if you should ask a question, you wonder if she's over, but there's people behind you, you don't know exactly, you don't know what to do, and I broke one of my rules. 
I tell people all the time, people say, should I have said something? Should I have done something? I said, you know what? Take a chance. Push the envelope. Maybe you'll get yelled at, whatever, told you. But maybe they'll, you'll get a chance to help them. And I don't know what had happened, if she got chewed out some from home, but she was pushing it on. I, whatever it was, it was so bad she couldn't fake it. I don't know if she had wiped a couple tears away, but there was two big ones sitting right on her cheek. I don't, she, she was not going to fake, whatever it was, such a burden, she was not going to fake the fact that she was hurting. And I would hope, if you have a burden today, we're proud so much sometimes, us guys especially, you know, that you wouldn't fake it. You would just speak to the Lord Jesus Christ, your heart today. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, today you have shown us who is very, very important to you. I trust that you have spoken to the hearts of some that are here today and that those people will be persistent. They'll come get a compass, a Bible. They'll get the devotional book. Whatever it is that you have laid on their heart, that they'll come and they'll begin or they'll restart a brand new personal relationship with you. Maybe somebody needs to just rededicate, but that they will not fake their hurt. They will not fake the fact that they feel that they've been left out of the in crowd. They will not fake the fact that they have a spiritual need. They need their sins forgiven or that they've been overwhelmed with problems. Maybe they, somebody told them, if you come to Jesus, you won't have those problems, and that just wasn't true. Holy Spirit, touch the hearts of those you wish to speak to today. May they know the love that is with them from you and from the people in this church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Raj, come give us a couple announcements, and then uh, we'll be dismissed to go get something to eat. Dan does it to me again.